Hello everybody and welcome to this, the 126th episode of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike, where we will be covering the 20th episode of Season 5 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode, The One Who Will Save Us All. How are you this evening, Hannah? just want to say apologies for the ambient noise in the background. But <laughs> what sounds like the uh, the fall of Sodom <laughs> occurring in the background. This, the Samoan rugby team, rugby league team, won the semi-final at the World Cup today. Um, and as you can hear, they're very happy about it. This is the second night of partying that, uh, that we have heard. Yes, and, and it's been going on. All day. And what it involves is a gigantic convoy of Samoan flag-wielding vehicles driving along the state highway that runs just down the road from my Parallel house. Parallel to our house. Um, honking their horns um, and playing um, what can only be described as terrible reggae music. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I think all reggae music is terrible. I'm sure it's actually probably top-tier reggae music uh, as, as far as I know, but... Uh, but yeah, so that is that noise in the background. We could have closed the doors and sort of shut it out, but but I felt a why the hell should I? I'm hot, um, and um, I want to have the doors open. Not hot as in a hey. Well, hot. I mean, I, I'm both. It's, uh, it's physically hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as me being physically hot, um, and also you know, local flavour. It's yeah. a moment in history. I wish they'd go and flavourise some of the <laughs> suburb. I've got two I've... kids who are trying to sleep. Yes, yes. It's, uh, it's, uh, it is interesting in that regard. So, gosh, so last night when they were doing that, they hadn't even won the game yet. No. This was ju- that was just there preparatory. Was a, woo, we're in the semi-final. This is woo, we've won the semi-final. Oh, no. So what time was the match? Was that this afternoon? I assume so, yeah. I didn't watch oh. it. My God, you have to win. The only time it was quiet is when it was on. So whatever time that was. Oh my goodness. I'll tell you what, fair play to the fucking Samoans. They know how to party. <laughs> you know? And it's, it, you know, there's a positive vibe to it. It's, oh, you know, yeah. It's, they're not going around, like, smashing up pubs or anything. It's no, just, no, they're uh, being positively lovely. It's all, it's all... It's just they're being very, very loud. They are being the most... Verbose. Vocal. Uh, uh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I bet they can't abide being dissed. Uh, they just party through it, wouldn't they? By the sound yeah. of it. Uh, I've got another bird to get in on it. It's like, <laughs> car, Jesus Christ. Um, okay, but anyway, so we are, we're going to power through. Uh, hopefully, um, what are we saying? Hang on. Oh. Oh. I always think of the episode of Twin Peaks when, um, is it the, um, the Norwegians in the hotel next to, uh, Cooper are just partying every night and he's to keep him awake. And he's just like, and then three episodes in, he's like, I noticed um, from the, the ambient sound levels that the Norwegian party have either checked or passed out. It's like the, I would say that the, the Samoan revelers have either moved on or have just completely en masse passed out <laughs> from the, the day's festivities. Um, that, of course, can't. Traffic chaos in the morning, won't it? Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the 20th episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, season five of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I should specify. Uh, Hannah, please do give us a little bit of the uh, the background on this episode, if you would okay. be uh, this so one good. is called The One Who Will Save Us All. Uh, synopsis says, A newly determined Talbot, Talbot takes Coulson to meet the enemy and attempts to avert Earth's destruction. Okay. It is directed by Cherie Gerhardt. 
and written by Brent Fletcher. Awesome. So it's interesting because we've said before that it often feels that the last two episodes of the season almost feel like a two-parter. You know, and this is obviously the anti-penultimate episode. So there's this and then there's two more. That's correct, isn't it? There's, there's, yeah. there's three more, goodness. Yeah. So yeah. I almost feel like this is story-wise probably the penultimate episode of the season. Because once you get into the final one, and often, you know, some some in some territories, they'll play the final two episodes in, you know, over one night. Um, it does feel like the final push, like whatever the... Um, the goal, the ultimate kind of like, right, okay, we have we have to destroy the Death Star, whatever the, the the end game, to use a Marvel term, is of this season. Usually, the clock starts ticking on that on that at the beginning of the penultimate episode, mm. and then you know they'll be halfway through that achieving that goal, and then and we think, go into the final. I don't episode. think they're, make we're not going to make it, and then we get to the final one. So, so I feel like this this potentially could be. If I know my network TV structure, I think this might feel like the calm before the storm or a bit of setup. Maybe I'm probably I, I am guessing, but I guess, I guess we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, yeah, that we will. A um, couple of quick bits of housekeeping. Uh, first of all, a reminder that we appreciate feedback. Um, the release schedule for the episodes have been really weird recently. I, There's been I do have feedback. Oh, good, because yeah. uh, but I, I'm not saying this as a sort of disclaimer or, or as, you know to prepare for for that or anything. But just I'm just very aware of the fact, largely because my work's been a bit weird recently. I've been a lot busier than than recent. Um, is that we've had a, a lot of gaps as from the audience perspective, gaps without an episode, and then there'll be like a couple drops yeah. over a couple of days. Mm. So I realise that it creates a bit of an odd um, experience from a feedback perspective because it's kind of. But I think, we're back. Like once this feedback's read out, we'll be back to, you know, we we'll wait until this one's released yeah. before we record the next one. And I think I've decided way. what my um, my sorbets are going to be cool. uh, as well. Um, you know, I'm, it's funny, I'm, alm- I'm, I'm, I'm almost tempted to push for three things each um, for this one because I've got, I've got an idea. If it's, one is a bit like the, in the way that it's like two, it's two things that are the same, essentially. Mm. But it's another thing, but it's just one. No, that I'd because then go. it's not a sorbet. It gets too long. We Plus, did watch, watch no. when there was a sorbet. No, okay, no, I, I will defer. I will defer, but I was just, just no. you know, brainstorming. No. Or uh, thought showering oh, God. Uh, is the politically correct term. But, yeah, so, okay, so um, we, yes, we appreciate feedback at the Rewatch Project Pod. Uh, no, sorry, I'll say that again. We appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast.gmail.com. And also we are on social media, namely Instagram and Twitter, at rewatchproj. Uh, we are also on YouTube, um, and we appreciate feedback there as well, which we will read out as in the form of feedback, if it feels appropriate to do so. And also like and subscribe and uh, set your alerts for that. And please do check out our friend shows, namely The Good, The Bad, and The Old, Talk Without Rhythm podcast, his film, her movie, Film Bastards, Cheers Drake vs. Punter, and Entertainment Landfill. And also, um, we appreciate reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcaster of choices, but I think they're the two that probably have the most impact. So, Hannah, feedback away. Sure. Uh, first one is on episode 124, uh, All Roads Lead. Um, Silver Surfer says, 
you were correct on my nitpick, Hannah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, good call. I am. I would never have guessed that. Our minds work in very different ways. I think, and that's one of the reasons why I enjoy podcasting with Hannah, because I think that I'd never want to do a podcast with somebody who thought the same way that I did. Cheers, Rekha versus Spencer is a really good example of that, mm. because I think that when I watch something, I I kind of watch it in a much more kind of hippy dippy way than you do. I think Hannah, mm. um, because uh, my wife. Um, <laughs> I just went really forward for some, for some reason there. Um, like, so, for example, I plot details will go past me, and there'll be times when I'll say really dumb stuff. I'll be like, well, why didn't they do that? And you'll be like, well, they, they explained that. And I'll be like, oh, I just must have been too... But I must have been off with the fairies at that point. But I think that the way my mind works is I'm more interested, I guess, in the thematic and subtextual kind of... Yeah. Like, the, almost the film theory side of you'll it. You'll be thinking about the verisimilitude while I'm listening to who's, the narrative who's uh, put what in the locker yeah. and, or, or I'll be thinking about um, oh that's a bit like this film or oh that actor was in this mm. whereas you're much sharper when it comes to narrative things like like for example um, you know we're talking about Babylon 5 things like that you'd have guessed who shot JR back in the day easy you know um, and, and I think that that's well in- you reckon I've already said something in X-Files. Oh, yeah, you, there was something that you said um, when we watched the second episode of the X-Files that is, um, I think, revealed in season seven um, that you com- have completely called, <laughs> basically. Oh. Um, I, I look forward to finding out what that yeah, is. Well, no, but we're only watching to season five, though, aren't we? Yeah, gonna... but you can tell me when we get... Up that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And knowing you, you'll probably just carry on watching it secretly yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, Silver Surfer goes on to say, Daisy's anger at Yo-Yo is also filled with with hypocrisy. That's right. Daisy killed a younger and mind-controlled Donnie Gill in season two. It's very true. I know. I mean, that's the thing. We, I mean, we said is that so many of these characters have done morally dodgy things because of just being in a weird place or you know the science fiction of it all and you have to accept that part of the narrative of the show like the the logic of the show is that if that was real life that shit would be getting brought up all the time yeah you know um but you have to accept that it only he's only going to get brought up when the story requires it yeah absolutely um episode one two five uh, the episode option two, Silver Surfer, says, I love the connection to Infinity War as Candyman asks Daisy if she's seen all the weird stuff in That was York. funny. I, I, when, I thought when the episode was on, is that what he's talking about? Mm. But I didn't have time or inclination or, if I'm honest, memory enough to um, work out the dates. Yeah, he's put referencing the fight with Iron Man, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. And our final bit of feedback on the same episode is from Jack Dubs. Now, can I just say, um, I saw this come in and I immediately said to Mike, I'm really pleased to see Jack Dubs' name come up because I have been worrying about where you are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, it does happen sometimes, you know, people disappear into the feedback ether. You know, know, that does happen. Basically, they're part of my family now. And <laughs> yeah. I must make sure they're okay at all Your times. Your desperate need for approval yeah. and consistency dictates that... Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was very relieved to see Jack return as well. He's a very Absolutely. important part of the show. 
absolutely. Um, so just know you have been missed, Jack Dubs. Um, he says, hi, Hannah and Mike. I've been on a long delayed by the pandemic holiday, so I have a bunch of episodes to catch up on. I'll be giving you my thoughts on episodes 15 to 19 over this weekend. Now, um, come on, chop, chop. We are in the future, though, here in New Zealand. It's Sunday night here. It's only like Sunday morning. In uh... I know, but, you know, I want to know what he thinks. Yeah. So hurry up. Like, I, I, really, I, I appreciate the fact that everybody has real lives, but, you know, um, I have main character syndrome. So <laughs> yes. I really need you to put me first yep. and reply. Hannah exists in a state of pure ego. Mm. So uh, we have to uh, we have to feed this, you know. Exactly. Anybody who does a podcast or a blog is damaged goods, aren't they? <laughs> On some level, <laughs> no, we are no different. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. Well, uh, we appreciate that feedback, and uh, we hope to generate some more, particularly as we approach the end of the season. So yeah, we're going to hit pause, and we're going to. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. We're going to watch. Going to find um, the remote because I absolutely no idea where uh, it is. I have it. Um, we are going to watch. The one who will save us all, and then we will come back and give us your thoughts. Uh, sorry, give you our thoughts. We're not going to give you your thoughts. We're not that presumptuous. Hannah's the only person who's allowed to give people their thoughts around here, and that's uh, that's mine from her. <laughs> so uh, I've got to have a bit of an identity crisis for a moment there. Um, so, uh, yes, we will be back shortly to uh, tell you what you thought of this episode. Swear you'll listen to the good, the bad, and the odd. The good. He has the cruelty of Jack Nicholson's Joker, the wit of Mark Hamill's Joker, yeah. and the laugh of Cesar Romero. <laughs> the bad. He's bald, he's got a cat, he lives in a volcano. What else you need? And the odd. I've that seen bits great. of it, it's really stupid. Swear to me. Just a couple of guys talking about movies. You can find us on www.thegoodthebadandtheodd.com. What a beautiful podcast. And we're back, so we've just finished watching The One Who Will Save Us All, the 20th episode of Season 5 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so we only have two more episodes of the season to remain uh, after this one. So, Hannah, please answer me this. How did this episode set us up for the final two, in your opinion? I think it set us up really well. It was a frustrating episode in the sense that uh, um, I just, oh God, I hate Talbot being like the big bad, think, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. super, super villain. Um, but equally, he's amazing at it. Um, I loved it. I thought it was, I mean, I say that every time and I feel like such a broken record, but um, I do ironically, I do really love. Ironically, it's the you saying, I feel like a broken record, but it's the broken record, not the saying you love it. Yeah, I, I just, I love the way this season amps up and up and up. I mean, it's so bananas to think about where it started mm. and it's been all one storyline, but it feels like, it's just weaved and bobbed. Well, it's really understandable that both of us at some points have had confusion in our memory as to what was actually the season, yeah. what actually came in the season. And, yeah. you know, it's easy to do that even 
as you're watching it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I am hugely frustrated with uh, Mac and Daisy, Mac especially, because, and I don't know if that bias comes from not being a particularly religious person myself, but I, I find as soon as someone, as soon as I hear someone saying, you've got to follow the word of the Lord and nothing else, you know, that's you say that? uh, the, the, word, the word of one God or uh, however he phrases it, you've got to follow um, the good book and be, you know, and, and um, you know, reaffirm yourself to those words every day. It does not sit well with me. Well, uh, the thing for me, though, is, is it's not his the dogmatism of it. It's the fact that Max... Um, Never had to be in that situation, mm. you know. Um, he has. I mean, he had to make a tough call with the whole sort of you know imaginary daughter thing, but that was different. That wasn't something that only affected him. Yeah, you know. And I think that again, it's it's. I'm going to be a broken record here and say that it comes back to that the naivety, mm. you know, the fact that you do sometimes have to make those tough decisions, um, and. You know, that's why you have teams. That's why you have, um, in any kind of power structure, that's why it's a structure mm. because you can't trust the individual morality of one person. No. You know, and Mac's a great person to have on the team. because He is, Because yeah. sometimes you do need that. But there are other situations where that's simply an immature outlook. He's, he, I, I love how principled he is like I do love that about him and I love the fact that he's not afraid to have a tough conversation and and stick up for his values but his inability to waver mm. I find frustrating well, the thing really is, it frustrating. makes him look stupid at times you do the right thing until you you don't have any choice you do the right thing until you can't do the right thing anymore and you it, it's like being a pacifist, uh, it's it's fine being a pacifist, but if you get if you're in a corner, got to punch your way out. Mm. Got no choice. Yeah. It's you or them. Yeah. You know, and there comes a point where uh, you know when you make that decision. I think that's where the ambiguity is. Is the fact that I think if Mac, if it came down to it, and there was a big red button, and it was like right, you press that button, Mac, and a hundred people will definitely die, but you'll save the entire world. If it actually came down to it, I think you'd do it. But I think that Fitz would see that coming a week before and take care of it then and probably only kill 10 people. Yeah. But Mac would be angry at him for killing those 10 people. Yeah. But yeah. Mac's inaction would probably actually result in another 80 people dying. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those kind of, those kind of things. And I think well, the other thing, if you actually did some good maths there. Uh, well, I, I, think, I think the other thing with Mac as well is the fact that I think that the thing that he struggles with is I think he realises they're right. I think that he knows, actually, they made a tough call. I couldn't do that. They're right. And I think that he's struggling with that. And we all do that. You know how when sometimes you feel bad about something within yourself, so you lash out at other people? Oh, and no, I, think, I don't uh, do that. And I think there's an element of that that is what Mac's doing. Yeah. You know, so I think that he's getting to the point now where he's realising that this simple middle-class um, you know, good versus evil uh, view of the world that he's got simply 
doesn't always apply mm. and he's struggling with that and that's hurting his relationships. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see whether he actually has that that realization to a certain extent. Yeah, I can't remember. Because I mean clearly, I mean they I mean I'm not is isn't a spoiler to say that I would imagine that there's going to be some form of reconciliation between mm. some of the characters and I think in order for that to happen they're not all going to go to Mac and go so we were wrong you're amazing he's going mm. to go okay I forgive you there's going to be a meeting in the middle so my suspicion is that part of Mac's story arc is him coming to this realization that sometimes things aren't that simple mm. you know in the same way that the characters on the other side of the argument have come to the realization that having to do bad stuff Sucks. Yeah. I've just had a thought about something that happened in the very beginning of the season, and I wonder, um, and, and, uh, with respect to something that happens at the very end of the season, and whether that is intentional and ties up and gets referred back to, but obviously I'll... I'm just saying it now to remind myself to talk about yes. it in the yes. in the final episode, and maybe some of our uh, frequent flyers will uh, will remember that. Yeah. And, uh, have you been watching Black Panther? Yes, I started watching it with Philip this morning. Oh, that is so much explain. Philip was in the car. And Philip was telling me about Black Panther and about how his dad died in an explosion. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, how would you hear about that? And, and it's just, but he, you were clearly watching Black Panther this morning. With the, yeah. Uh, well, should we get into the breakdown? Indeed. I think, I think that uh, we should do some stuff. So we open up where we left off last time with Talbot hovering on some debris in a kind of weird sci-fi homoerotic version of the end of Titanic with uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kate Winslet and, uh, and uh, Leo. Um Colson so, just needed a whistle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so they're, they're hovering up towards the uh, the spaceship. And um, it's funny as well, I notice one of the, if you're a sci-fi geek, you notice over time these aesthetic changes that things have happened, that happen. And I can trace this back to Star Trek First Contact introduced green lights into sci-fi. And ever since then, the amount of spaceships that have got green lights on the outside of them. It's just, it's a weird, it's a thing, and I never saw it before that, and it's just, it's odd looking retroactively at it that that's, that's the case. But before 1996, there was, uh, yeah, you just didn't see that. Um, it's not something I would ever pay attention to. Well, I to. said earlier on it was yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, uh, that's why I said Cats and dogs and all that. But yeah. So Simmons is worrying about Talbot, that he'll have a psychotic break because of just the enormity of what he's had. And there's, there's two big subtexts in this episode. I'll get to the other one later, but one of them, is a sci-fi classic. The very first ever episode of Star Trek that was produced, that was not the cage, I don't count that, but is um, Where No Man Has Gone Before, which is the, the Gary Mitchell episode mm-hmm. where Kirk's best friend starts to take on godlike powers. And it's about the idea of... Um, and it's absolute, a dick about it. Yeah, well, it's absolute power corrupts, you know. Um, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, what was it? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's mm. the phrase. And it's... There's a couple of sci-fi things, conceits going on here. One is that, just this idea that it's inevitable, that you will, if once you have a certain amount of power, people will start to just become, they'll just look like ants or bugs to you. You know, mm. you'll, you, you'll just evolve and inevitably 
go into megalomaniacal mode. Well, that's that's what Dr. Manhattan says as well in Watchmen yeah. about how... Um, he just doesn't even see it, them as being sentient of, anymore. Yeah, you become insignificant in terms of soul yeah. and, and person. Yeah, and and the, and the other sci-fi idea as well. I mean, it's a classic one, like the like the the classic Twilight Zone episode from back in the the, the early sixties, where um, his family, their their, I think like their six year old boy, played by Bill Bill Moomy, who would go on to play Lanier in Babylon Five of all people, mm. and he's got he's omnipotent, he's got incredible powers, and everybody's terrified of him and tiptoes around him and don't want to upset him, you know. Mm. So there's that element to it as well, and um, so that thematic element is introduced in this scene mm. and obviously you know um not only is it inevitable that that power will corrupt but also uh tolbert is additionally disadvantaged that his mind was broken even before yeah. he had that as well you know so he didn't stand a chance you know no. um we see Vadu take the the berserker juice as you as you referred to it when we're berserker watching the episode yeah. and attacks mac um May basically says after the scrap that they have to take him alive to see what they're up against. Mm. Um, we see them go up to meet the Peter Mensa character on the ship, and Tolbert immediately starts lauding it and says that it's his ship. And uh, he goes, "Oh, Johnny Big Bollocks!" He does make some kneel after squishing one of the dudes. Um, we, this is where we get the scene where we see that Mac is still being quite distant, um, and. I like the facts as well. I like the way that Adrian Pastar plays this because, or and the, I guess the way the character is written is, but there are in the first half of the episode he's just being Talbot like, but with flashes of insane power guy. Yeah. And then the second half of the episode he's insane power guy, but with flashes of Talbot. Mm. And you know, like it's just like, obvious that the Gravitonium's kind of taking him over. Yes. So, for example. He tells Coulson not to contradict him, but then gets nice straight after, you know, and you can see Coulson just sort of going, oh, okay, here we go. I've seen that episode of Star Trek. I know how this, this what, what happens here. <laughs> you totally Gary, Gary Mitchelling me. Yeah. I thought you said, you said Gary Lineker's him from <laughs> Gary. It's, um, so, um, we see that Hale is still on the ship and she talks about her anger at being passed over and ignored. And, you know, we get a bit of a sort of closure on her character out there. Um, yeah, but she still goes all shit here. Oh yeah, well, it's it's like fuck. You've learned nothing. It's like that. Um, I love that. It's that episode of Star Trek Scorpion. Um, I'm referencing Star Trek a lot um, tonight. This is an episode of Star Trek Voyager when um, they decide that they're going to work with collaborate with the Borg in order to beat this bigger villain. And Chakotay and um, and Jana were having this conversation, and she's saying, "Look, we've got to do it. We've got this." Um, you know, we, we we've got a common enemy, mm. and Chakotay tells her the the story of um, the 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 scorpion, mm. um, and how you know the, the, the scorpion and the fish need to cross. Uh, no, sorry, the, the, the scorpion and the turtle need to cl- cross the river, mm. and um, they say, "Well, look, you know, the, the scorpion's like, can I ride on your back? Can I get across?" And he says, "Well, no, you'll um, you'll sting me." It's not a turtle, is it? I thought it was like a bear or a fox. Okay, well, it's a bear, say. And um, he's like, well, I know I won't do that because if I do, um, you'll drown and we'll die. And then it gets to the other side and the scorpion stings him. And as he's dying, he's like, why did you do that? We collaborated. He's like, well, I'm a scorpion. Mm. You know, it's what I yeah. do. And that's like Hydra. It's like she'll help and she'll do that. And she does have humanity. You know, it's like we were talking the other day about Andor, about the fact that it, 
people in this <laughs> simplified Twitter outrage age forget what it means when we talk about humanizing somebody. And, mm. and like you and I, we were talking the other day about Andor and about how they humanize the Imperial characters by mm. giving them inner lives and giving them ambition and um, dynamics and, and all of this. Their own and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that makes you empathize with them, but it doesn't make you sympathize with them. And there's a no. difference. Empathy, you know, empathizing is understanding. Sympathizing mm. is kind of aligning through mm. through empathy, you know. Yeah. And what they're doing here is that they're humanizing her. She does have an inner life, but she's a scorpion, mm. <laughs> you know. So she's she's going to she's, she's gonna a do fucking that. dick, is what uh, she is. Yeah. When, when she double crossed Coulson at the end, I was just like, oh, you. Well, when she did that, I actually thought she was doing she was doing some little mind game uh, thing. I was like, you div. Yeah. You've learned nothing. I like the fact as well. The Tolbert, because obviously he's meant to... I said he said Tolson. I'm like, no, but that would be their couple name. <laughs> they were like... It's if you ship them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be Tolson. Colbot or Colbert. Tolson. Um, but they... Um, I love the fact that... Because obviously he's meant to have been through this sort That'd of... That'd actually be Colbot. <laughs> yeah. He's been through this, this process that's made him superhuman, but he looks like how our son Philip looks when he puts on his Hulk costume... And then puts on like other clothes over it just so he looks muscly because yeah. he's obviously got some kind of muscle suit on after, uh, underwards. Underwards, God, I'm, 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 I'm yeah. amalgamating words today. I'm amalgamating. Um, but I just thought of that. I just thought of Philip when I saw him him with his sort of muscles under his uh, costume. Yeah. Was he just he looked just like that, um, just like that. And the, like that. <laughs> so we learned that the. Um, Oh, what are they called? The the Confederacy are still out there. Um, and that basically they allude to how humanity is in some kind of danger. And Hydra basically were aligning with them to help, basically. Um, and I like the fact that I like the idea that, you know, there are some dangers that are so major that even even the Nazis want to protect Earth from that, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose because they want it for themselves. Um, and what they see is that basically they've built him as a weapon. Um, and they built the and the and the um, Inhumans as well, and uh, Hydra made so made a deal with the Confederacy to protect Earth, uh, and he says that he needs an audience with the Confederacy as well. Mm. Um, Deke fixes the the all the IT problems that they were having, and I like, the, he, I like the way that he talks about it almost like vintage electronics, yeah, like me tinkering with like you know old consoles to jailbreak them and stuff I, like that. I love the way that Fitz goes to high five them, and it's like you're better like, than you're, that. You're cooler than that. Yeah. Come on. Daisy returns, and Yo-Yo blames her for Coulson being nabbed and sees that she has a quartz with her, and they fight. Uh, better out than in, you know, get it all out. Uh, May breaks it up as well. We know that Talbot's gone full evil because he shaved a goatee as well. Yeah. You know, the, the yeah. science fiction shorthand, whether it be Michael Knight's evil brother Garth or, um, or Mirror Universe Spock, you know, there's a long tradition. I really wish you'd been called Darth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Darth Knight. Garth Vader, the country singing... Sith, <laughs> Darth Brooks, the evil country singer, <laughs> and I like the fact as well. But this is what I mean about how you, even when he starts to go evil, there's still little bits of Torbert coming through. Mm. Like he says, like, how do I look? He's got his evil costume on, and um, I'm sure I could get the guys to whip you. Yeah, it's like I could wrestle one up for you as well. Yeah, um, and you know, and like, and, and he says to uh, the Peter, he's like, "Come on, Chuckles," to yeah. uh, you know, and um, <laughs> yeah. So he's a megalomaniac, evil megalomaniac, but he's still 
Tolbert in a sort of, you know, from a sort of person genre perspective. They're going to see the six uh, who are the Confederacy. uh, Who quickly become five. uh, Yes, yes. um, (laughs) When six become five. (laughs) I need some. (laughs) Um, so, I love that you're <laughs> to where my mind goes. <laughs> uh, he refers to himself as Earth's mightiest hero, obviously paraphrasing the Avengers, but who, of course, were plural. Deke goes to see Daisy um, and her mum in a bag, her freeze dried mum. Yep. And there's, there's lemons on the bed as well, which is a nice reference to uh, the sort of prior episode. That sounds, again, to go back to our son, that sounds like something that Philip would do. Yeah. But somebody, oh, he, a uh, bit of a tangent here, but I'm going to go for it anyway. There was a a swimming lesson today. Um, There was a girl who was in the pool who I think he was had a bit of a crush on, Mm. and he was getting a bit nervous, sort of around her and stuff like that. And um, at one point, he swam on his back, and she looked impressed, and she went, "That was really good." And he he walked up to her, (laughs) took his goggles off, and went, "I can click my fingers," and then pushed away, (laughs) swimming on his back like, "Yeah, bitch." And I was just like, oh, he's got his father's <laughs> skill with the movie. <laughs> oh my god, I can so see that. <laughs> but it was it was the fact that he lifted his goggles up as well. Like, so uh, what, he's it, so proud of himself. That he can <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, when I click my fingers, pictures <laughs> go running. <laughs> it's like a dog whistle, isn't it? But um, I, I, it's all, it almost feels as well like a reference to. The budgetary um, constraints of the season because Deke talks about how he's like, Oh, I grew up on the lighthouse, and he's like, And I finally get back to you know a pre um, earth destruction era, and I'm still stuck on here as well. Mm. It's as yeah. though he's just like, God, could I be needed like during season two when <laughs> we're out like in the fields of Vermont or like yeah, you know the exactly. expensive shooting locations that we were in in the earlier seasons? Um, so she tells him about Lincoln. And I think it's really nice as well. Deke does actually show quite a lot of emotional maturity in this scene because he goes from his own selfish need for love and companionship from Daisy to just wanting to comfort her mm. and understand that, oh, okay, she's hurting. And she says, you know, that she's still in love with, with Lincoln. And I think he's uh, trying to go for the long haul. You know, like maybe if we're friends first. Yeah, but I, don't, I think in this scene, I don't think he's even thinking on those terms. No, I think, I think he's, I think he's later on in the. Oh episode. yeah, yeah, but I think yeah. his his primary motivation is to be a good person, it's basically. To be a comfort to yeah. you, yeah. Um, and it's interesting as well because Deke's kind of the anti-Mac in some ways, in the way that Mac and Yo-Yo said to him this to him earlier in this season, might even have been last season, about how she grew up in a very difficult environment where you had to do what you had to do to stay alive, you know, oh. and. You tried to maintain your humanity, but it was difficult. And she talks about how Matt grew up in a very, you know, middle class, safe environment where it was very easy to have morality. Mm. And some of that thematic stuff came up during the Ghost Rider season as well, because you mm. get the feeling that, you know, that Robbie and his family, you know, they they had a tough um, upbringing, yeah. you know. And Mac is kind of in the sense that he lived in the worst conditions conditions imaginable where you had to do what you had to do this life but sorry Deke. Deke, um where you know on the lighthouse in the future where you know humans weren't even treated there was no humanity you know mm. literally and he still managed to keep some goodness going um but he had to do 
some shit stuff. Mm. So in some ways, it's a little bit like Max View is a little bit like that smug kind of, you know, Catholic view of, well, you know, as long as you read the Bible, as long as you, whereas I think a lot of people are like, no, that stuff shouldn't matter. It should be your actions, Mm. you know. And sometimes you do do shit things because you're protecting your family or Mm. because of some larger thing. But that, that doesn't, doing everything by the book doesn't necessarily make you a good person and doing things not by the book doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. No, absolutely. You know, talk is cheap. And, and I think that talk is cheap is the biggest thing. Like, it doesn't matter if, if, if you're religious or not religious. If you're giving it the big one about being a good person but not actually following through and supporting your team or, you know, your family, family or whoever it is, then then you're not you're not good. Yeah. You know, you need to you need to be thinking about those things all the time. I mean, Mac has always been the sort of person who understands that violence is fine if you're doing it in self-defense. But his idea of violence is punching a bad guy. Mm. Whereas sometimes it can be sacrificing um innocence to save more innocence. And that's a situation that he hasn't found himself in before. Well, it, it's also like those qualities are in Coulson. When you think he's doing something really shit, there is actually a really valid, good reason behind it. Mm. And he's never he's never really done anything for vanity's sake. Mm. You know, there's always a reason and a mission and a purpose yeah. to things. Well, and that's probably why he's so good at being the director, yeah. you know. He's, well, uh, yeah, and, he's and, kind of born for that role. And in S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, you often do have to, it's like being a soldier, you know, the, the, the government say, point your gun at that person and shoot them. I mean, there was a really powerful, well-written scene like monologue in this week's episode of Andor, you know, at the end when the Stella Skarsgård character is talking mm. about how he's damned. He's like, yeah. he's like, um, you know, I have to blow up the world, but I don't get to see the sunrise that mm. comes from it. You know, yeah. it's like, I have to do awful things. Um, so everyone else doesn't. Can reap the benefits. Can reap the benefits. Yeah. It's the ultimate. It seems like a bad thing that that, characters doing bad things but in some ways it's the ultimate selfless act yeah because he's condemning himself and that's a level of complexity that somebody like mac wouldn't and i guess the difference is that giving yourself over to that and accepting that is basically becoming a cynic Mm. becoming cynical and you know we refer to people as being cynical or uncynical like it's a badge of honor, like it's a strength, like being uncynical is a strength. Being uncynical is a luxury. Mm. And, you know, boy, do I hope and wish that our kids uh, and that the people I love can go through life being uncynical. Yeah. Because what that means is that they've lived an easy life. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, um, and some people do. Some people just fucking get lucky and just have an easy life. Mm. I think I have. You know? And... Um, it's easy to be positive and upbeat about things if your life has been good and if you aren't cursed with some chemical imbalance that's randomly decided that your life's going to be difficult, mm. you know? And again, it's it, that's the luxury element. So so um, 
Deke says that basically they will find a way to save Coulson. And he realises that he, he he's there now for the mission, not just because he's going along because he wants to get laid or just because he's got nothing better to do, which is how it's mm. kind of felt, yeah. or just because he wants to make sure that his grandparents stay alive so he doesn't, so selfishly, mm. so he doesn't blink out of existence. It feels like now he's found his mission and his mission is to help these people who he now feels some comradeship Connected to. with. You know? yeah. And again... Found family, you know. Literally, he's found his family, but he's yeah. also found his metaphorical family in the same way that all of the other characters in the show did seasons ago. You know. Yeah. Um. And she says, "You know, you were you, you were going to tell me something," and he's like, "No, no." He's, but he's, and then he switch, switches it to say, "I wanted to tell you about Fitzsimmons," and he talks about how you know they're his grandparents, and she's now in on that as well. And again, this is something that the show does that I like because it remembers which characters know stuff, and he's like, "Well, we've got to have a see where she finds this out," mm-hmm. you know. We can't just let the audience assume that this happened in a scene. I forgot that she didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been mm. very busy. Um, so um, we see Talbot kill and absorb one of the six. Uh, six become five. Um, and they've um, converted the Zephyr into a spaceship. Uh, Fitz goes to apologise to Mac. And I like the fact that, that when Mac doesn't accept his apology... Fitz is kind of like, no, no, fuck you, pal. Mm. You know, and then Mac tries to turn it round as like, oh, yeah, you're just being a bit evil, Fitzy here. And Fitz is just like, no, no, this isn't that simple. Mm. There are um, yeah, many I examples might be sorry in history. For doing these things to you, but I still believe it was yeah. the right thing and to do. And it's almost, and I think also Fitz, he wants to make peace because he likes Mac. Yeah. And I think he wants to meet him in the middle, and, and Mac doesn't. And then when Mac doesn't, Fitz doesn't make a big deal about it because he's not. A car, he doesn't like confrontation, so he he does mm. back off. But in his own way, he does sort of say to Matt, "You're being a dick," you know. Yeah. Um, and also, we didn't want to do all this shit, but you weren't going to do it. No, you know. So thank you. Mm. You know, sorry, our pleasure. Mm. It's you know, we've saved you from having to do it. And he says it's not that simple, and that there's lots of instances in history where sacrifice is needed. And he says, look, I'm sorry if it doesn't fit your, your narrative, is the way mm. he phrases it, you know. Yeah. Um, we see Daisy give um, Simmons the centipede and uh, her mum's DNA. Um, I hate how she gets all like, this is your top priority. Do, do you want Coulson to die or not? You just don't like powerful women, do you? I love powerful <laughs> women. But um, no, not not a Daisy fan at the moment. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, we see House of... Um, the House of Cassius asks Kissy Guy, um, latching on. He knows power when he sees it, latching on to Tal- Talbot. And they talk about how Thanos is the threat to Earth that they've been talking about. Mm. Um, and again, obviously, this this lines up with, um, you know, that scene that Silver Surfer referenced with all the mad shit going on mm. in New York. Uh, Talbot wants more gravitonium to make him invincible. So basically, he's got a taste for it now. Um, and he talks about, and this is the other um, subtext of this. He talks about how our we have to do this because um, our uh, very way of life is under threat, mm. and this reminds me of like how we've seen it a lot in America in the last twenty years. You know, where um, the idea of our way of life being under threat is used as a blanket fear to motivate changes, like um, the suspension of habeas corpus, mm. stop and search. It's a very useful thing. So I get the feeling that metaphorically, Tolbert is being used as icon of 
what it's like when when power um, uses threat and fear mm. as a way of forwarding its own agenda. Mm. You know, there's a bit yeah. of that going on there. Yeah. Um, like like giving basically like giving because he's saying, look, give me the full power, and then I'll go and do this thing. But then it never gets given back. It's like I mean that's what how empires are built. Like if you look at ancient Rome, the idea was was that you were an emperor for a short period of time, and then Caesar comes along and says, "Look, give me absolute power." But then he never gave it back, and then you ended up with uh, in an empire where you just had these emperors who would just go and go and go, and it would be like a president saying, "You know, not not giving back the power to the next person," mm. and you know, and and I think that that's kind of what's going on here. Um, and we see the Peter Mensa character saying, starting to say what Tolbert wants to hear. You know, he's kind of enabling him a little bit. Mm. Um, I'm trying to position Coulson as being the the no man. Mm. You know, yeah. Um, and and he gets all Neil before Zod um, with Coulson as well. Um, we see Mac and Yo Yo are kind of on uneasy nodding terms. Nodding terms, um, yeah. And, um, and and it's funny as well because when you get the scene with um, that start well that ends with Tolbert, you know, squishing Hale and them all trying to deal with him. It's like this corrupted power. When you get characters like this, it reminds me a lot. It's like dealing with a really drunk person, mm. and I suppose that's where drunk on power comes from as a term. Mm. You know, when you're dealing with a really drunk person, and everything you say they twist to make themselves more annoyed and aggressive. Mm. You know. And you realise there's just nothing you can do or say that's not going to make the situation worse. So mm. you just have to extricate yourself. Mm. Uh, that's kind of how they dramatise it and yeah. play it in this scene. Yeah. Um, Hale temporarily calms him by telling him to comply, but it just doesn't work and he squishes her. There's a bit of a film grammar fake, fake out that makes you think that it's going to work, but yeah. it's not. Um, and she... Um, Quake tries to quake him, but he he just billows his evil coat, um, and he throws it to the ceiling and refers to them as prisoners of war. And then we get a little post um, bumper scene of uh, old Blue Boy creeping on Daisy, uh, and then we end. So, any final thoughts, Hannah, before we wrap up for the night? Um, I really, really just want to get on to the next one because I really want to get to the end. Um, of this season I'm desperate for the final um it's just it's so good yeah. I just want to keep going and it's fun as well because obviously I mean I've said many times before about how this was I think when they shot I don't I, I, I could be wrong but I think that certainly when they wrote the rest of this season they didn't know whether it was coming back or not so mm. it's going to be interesting to go back and watch it now knowing that this was a possible ending for the show and see how it works yeah in that regard yeah um but uh yeah okay so um before hannah tells us what we're covering next time i will just remind you that we appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com and also uh reviews on apple podcasts and spotify are appreciated check us out on instagram and twitter where we are at rewatchproj and also check out our friend shows and if you listen to us on youtube then please do comment and subscribe and set your alerts away so uh hannah what are we talking about next time the next episode is called The Force of Gravity, which um, coincidentally aired on our wedding anniversary. Oh, okay. Um, it says, I mean, just the date, not the year, but um, 
Daisy's future as the destroyer of worlds could take a critical change. Oh. It is directed by Kevin Tancheron and written by Drew Greenberg and Craig Titster Titley. Yeah, there we go. Awesome. Looking forward to that one then. Cool. All right. Well, that's us for now, guys, and we will be back with you very soon. Goodbye. Bye bye.